It's Tangentially Speaking. I'm Christopher Ryan, your host. Thank you for joining me for yet another edition of this interesting little project. We're pushing 100 now. I think this is going to be episode 94, 95, somewhere in there. Uh, if you're a longtime listener or if you've been, uh, if you just subscribed recently, you may have noticed that the RSS feed's going a little nutty. Um, what happened was that uh, I transferred over to a new hosting service and they sort of have this thing where the f- the most recent 20 episodes are free, but everything beyond that is archived automatically. And um, the reason I switched over to the service was that they handle billing and stuff because I made uh, talking out my ass uh, for subscribers only. I'm looking for ways to try to make this thing pay for itself. And... Um, they take half the money, but they handle the credit cards and, you know, the recurring billing and whatever, uh, which I, I don't know how to do that and, and don't have time. So, uh, okay, they take half the money, which initially seemed like, fuck, that's a lot, you know, 50%. And I'm doing, I'm creating the content that people are paying for. But then I remember that I get, you know, 8.25% of the money from the paperback books that are sold. So 50% is actually not bad when you look at it from that perspective. Anyway, uh, but I didn't want to make the archives pay only. Um, What the hell? You know, if you like the podcast, you should be able to go back in and listen to them. So I've been going... uh, when I have a few spare minutes, I've been going back into the archives and uh, changing the settings so that they uh, they become free again. And what that does is that it puts them back into the RSS feed. So uh, you may have noticed like things are uh, downloading on iTunes from you know a year ago, uh, whatever. I hope that's not bothersome. I hope it's not causing any problems for anybody. But um, just so you understand, that's so that uh, new listeners who haven't heard those back episodes can go back and hear them and they don't have to pay anything for it. Uh, I haven't done it with all of them yet because I'm trying not to uh, to make things too chaotic for you on the other end. But I'll do, uh, you know, three, four or five a week, whatever. If there are any that you particularly want to hear and you don't have the money to to sign up for the premium membership, uh, shoot me an email or a tweet or something and let me know. And I'll, I'll be sure to add that to the list of the ones I'm going to free up soon. Uh, before I, I get into other stuff, talking about monetizing, I'm, I'm cutting back on the sponsorships. As you heard a few months ago, I sort of got into it, see how that would work. And, um, my friend Mandy, um, who was a guest on the podcast went back and, she went out and, and uh, drummed up a bunch of sponsors. She did a great job. So we really got to see, you know, what this would be like with uh, a lot of sponsors. And it was fine, you know, some good products. Uh, my package underwear is a great product. I'm wearing it right now. Uh, and uh, and some of the other stuff that, that we, uh, some deals we made, extreme restraints, you know. Hey, if you want to be chained to the wall, that's the place to go. But... All in all, it's not really that much cash, 
uh, you know, maybe a couple hundred bucks a month. And it's not worth a couple hundred bucks a month to waste your time, uh, you know, pitching you stuff. And honestly, it's not a comfortable fit for me. I'm the shittiest salesman who ever lived. I hate it. The first job I ever had was going door to door selling subscriptions for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette when I was in, uh, I think I was in like seventh grade or something. I hated it. I hated it. Bothering people and, you know, giving them this canned bullshit. And, you know, the whole idea was that I was a cute, you know, little kid that people would be less likely to slam the door on. So, uh, yeah, there was a little group of us that were ferried around to harass people at the dinner hour. But, um, yeah, I'm not a salesman. I don't like it. I don't like it when people do it to me. So I'm not going to do it to you anymore. Uh, I'm working on a thing. Uh, someone who's been in touch, actually, Danny, uh, uh, Danny Osmond, emeraldcitypro.com, uh, who's been voluntarily at no charge to me, um, re-engineering the, the sound on some of these um, interviews. He's a sound engineer. If you need any work done, please check him out, Emerald City pro.com. Um, anyway, he and some, some friends of his are working on a project that might, uh, we'll see how it goes, but I think it might be a very interesting way for you to support the podcast if you want to, if you can afford it. Um, and with none of the hassle of listening to ads or discount codes or this or that, or, you know, the whatever. Um, so stand by for that. I would say don't buy the, the premium uh, membership. If you were, if you're on the the border and you were thinking of doing it, hold off for a few weeks and let's see how this other thing shapes up. And then, uh, I'll let you know the best way to support the podcast. In the meantime, of course, you can always donate. Um, there's a, a PayPal donation button on, uh, Chris Ryan, PhD.com. You can buy the great sure design t-shirts, uh, either the ones with our designs, sex at dawn, tangentially speaking, paleo modern, or um, the Civilized to Death shirts. Those are all available at chrisryanphd.com in the store. You'll see hoodies, shirts, all sorts of stuff there. Uh, What else can I tell you? Uh, That cool, funky intro music is by Basin and Range. Check out basinandrangeband.com. So when I say I'm not going to have sponsors, that doesn't mean I'm not going to like promote stuff that I'm going to promote people who do cool things, who offer me stuff for free, who help out with the podcast. So I'll still be using the podcast as a way to get the word out about cool things, but uh, not necessarily things you need to buy. You know what I'm saying? And oh, another thing that's been happening is there's a there's a subreddit. Now, I'm not a big Reddit person, but uh, I'm sure a lot of you are. Uh, I just find it kind of confusing, but the interface... But I like the idea, like how things can be voted up and down. And there's there's sort of a, a very sort of democratic impulse at the core of the way Reddit works. Anyway, there's a subreddit for listeners uh, of this podcast, people who've read Sex at Dawn, just interested in the stuff I'm thinking about and talking about. Um, so if, you're, if you want to join a community, you want to talk about different episodes of the podcast or Sex at Dawn or, you know, anything involving... Uh, the stuff I'm doing, uh, please check it out. It's tangentially speaking one word. 
So just go to Reddit and then, you know, do a search and there you are. And I drop in there and I'll answer questions. You know, I already did an, an Ask Me Anything on Reddit a couple of years ago. I think it was about three years ago now. Um, and that was that was fun. Uh, I'll do another one of those. If there's sufficient interest, I'd be happy to do another one of those. And lastly, you may have heard me talk about this before. Um, I'm not sure if I've spoken about it on the podcast, but I've been involved for a few years with a website um, that's been getting set up. And it's been in beta, so I haven't talked about it publicly much. But uh, the new redesign is has been launched. It looks great. It's functioning good. I mean, I'm sure there it's still in beta, so I'm sure there's still you know bugs that that uh, the tech guys are working out. But the story is that when I was going around after Sex at Dawn came out, I was giving these talks, and uh, it wasn't a typical author book tour. My publisher never paid for for us to go anywhere or do anything. Or, you know, you've heard me whine about the publisher before, so I won't do that again. But we were um, going around uh, to different cities doing presentations because people in those cities would get together and arrange the event themselves. And they wrote to me and like, hey, what would it take to get you to San Francisco or to Portland or to Vancouver or um, uh, Seattle and basically or Chicago and Baltimore? And so basically what happened was all these people contacted me um, independently and I sort of put it together as living in Spain at that point. So I was like, okay, look, I'm going to be in Baltimore for this thing at Johns Hopkins in, you know, October. So if you can arrange something toward, you know, the middle of October and then, the, you know, Vancouver and the hey, late October and whatever. And I sort of, you know, worked out the timing and everybody put it together independently. And then I went around and gave presentations in these different cities. And it was fucking amazing. It was incredible. I remember... Here in Portland, I, I was at the Baghdad, and they sold 750 tickets at 20 bucks each to hear me. That's it. Just me. There was no opening band. There was no someone famous, you know, and me, like, you know, this thing I did with Duncan recently. Nothing. It was just me talking about uh, prehistoric sexuality. And... I remember going out on the stage there and and sort of spontaneously saying, okay, I get it. You people aren't here really to see me. You're here to meet each other. And everybody laughed. And so I did this thing like, you know, okay, let's take a minute. Everybody like, you know, introduce yourself to the people around you. and Because the whole thing is you're here because this guy's going to talk about prehistoric sexuality in a way uh, that validates uh, impulses toward non-monogamy, right? That's that's what's going on. And you figure this is a place to meet people like you, right? So, and it's true. That's what people were doing. I mean, you know, they some of them loved the book and they wanted to meet the author and yada, yada, yada. But I think a lot of it was just that there was you know, there's a yearning to meet people who sort of are asking the same questions you're asking, or maybe have answers to some of the questions you're asking. And so I, I was like, I formed, um, you know, a gravity field where these people could come into orbit and find one another. And, uh, after the, I, I used the same joke in San Francisco. And after the the event there, one of the organizers who has since become a, a close friend of mine, 
came up to me and said, uh, listen, you know, people keep coming up to me and saying, how can we get that same crowd together again? Because at that event, there were, you know, there was the kinky folks, there were the burners, there were the, the sexologists and the therapists and sort of, you know, people from a clinical background. There were the evolutionary scientists who were, you know, interested in that. And there were, you know, married couples who were sort of thinking about mm, maybe open up the relationship or check this out. And there were these diverse, you know, people from very different realms who all overlap in this one area, which is questioning the dominant paradigm about the way we should love one another. And here was this place where they all could interact. Um, but where else is a place like that in life? Um, and so it turns out that this guy is an expert in setting up online communities. And we came up with this idea of building an online community for people who are interested in these issues. So that's a very long-winded way of saying that if that sort of thing interests you, check out the website. It's uh, I'm going to start talking about it publicly now. It's called Cotango with a K, K-O. T-A-A, sorry, K-O-T-A-N-G-O. So it's like, and the, and the slogan is sometimes it takes more than two to tango, right? So co-tango with a K. Check it out. There are already about 7,000 registered members. We haven't done any promoting yet. Uh, this, what you're listening to right now is the first public promotion really of the site. I think I tweeted about it once, um, but I'm going to start getting the word out um, because the technology's ready, the, the site's up and seems pretty stable. Um, and you'll see it's a quite attractive uh, place. You, there are a lot of discussions going on that you can join. You can start your own. You can make a little tribe. You can have your own private groups. You can list events in your town. Um, I think, I don't know if the map function is working. There was an issue where it was working too well for a while. You know, it was not only saying what city people were from, but like what building they lived in. So we had to <clears throat> stop that. Um, but I think that's up and working again. So you can, if you're, you know, living in Madison, Wisconsin, you can click on it and see different people, members who are within 100 miles of where you are or 500 miles or whatever parameters you set. So it's a pretty cool site. Um, check it out. There's also a discussion, ongoing discussion for reporting bugs or requesting new features or whatever, um, you'll find that there. So it's Cotango, K-O-T-A-N-G-O.com. All right. This is sort of a special episode, uh, unusual episode of Tangentially Speaking, because it's it's an episode that uh, I'm sharing with Moshe Kasher, who's a comedian uh, based in L.A., I went down, he does a thing called uh, Hound Tall. I don't, I don't know why it's called that, but it is. Um, and basically what, what he does is he's got some uh, three comics, including himself and some expert on stage at a small theater in Hollywood. And the idea is to talk about the thing this expert knows about and the comedian sort of riff on it. And so it's a, you know, it's the story of my fucking life is what it is. It's me trying to talk to comedians about uh, sex at dawn, about, you know, primate testicles and why women make more noise in bed than men do. And 
uh, you know, why male gorillas are so much bigger than female gorillas, but, you know, male humans, chimps, and bonobos are roughly the same size as females, yada, yada, yada. Uh, so it's my normal shtick, but on stage with three uh, comics. Moshe Kasher, um, you'll hear him him introduce the other comics, but just to give you a sense, Nikki Glazer, who's got uh, a special on Comedy Central, very funny, very cool woman, and Nick Kroll, who... Uh, I, Cassie and I watched, I think, two the first two episodes of his show on Comedy Central and Nick Kroll show. Uh, you might be familiar with that. He's a very funny guy. I think he's working on the third uh, season now. Um, anyway, so it was cool to be on stage with them. This happened maybe a month or so ago in L.A. And uh, I, was, I asked Moshe to do my podcast, and he said, how about if we just co-release uh, this one? Um, because he's already been on the podcast uh, with Reggie Watts. That was a really interesting episode where Moshe talked about being raised by two deaf parents in Oakland. That was uh, fascinating. Some of the some of the stories he told were completely out of left field for me. Um, anyway, so uh, I hope you enjoy this podcast and you'll hear the audience. It's a very unusual Um And uh, I'll catch you next week. And hopefully, by the time you hear me again, this horrible chest cold that I've been fighting for about three weeks now will finally have given up the ghost and I'll be back to my normal voice. Thanks for putting up with me in the meantime. Ciao. Let's welcome our guest, Christopher Ryan, the author of Sex at Dawn. Here he comes. There he is. There he is, Christopher Ryan. Nikki Glazer, you might know her from a million things, Comedy Central specials at midnight, and Nick Kroll from the Nick Kroll Show, and from The League on FX, and all kinds of other fun stuff. Hi, everybody. Hi, hi. Moshe. Hi, hi. Thank so. you. Thank you for establishing that nobody came here to see me. <laughs> that was really good. I was just surprised that, that you were, that you're that unpopular. I had no idea. <laughs> I expected an ovation. So yeah. there he is now. This is Christopher Ryan. Say hi to him. He wrote a book for you. I, I should I should say the book is co-authored with my wife. Oh, I should have said that too. Yeah, no, that you know because people see me, they're like, oh yeah, horny old dude. Yeah, right. I wrote a book about how everybody should be fucking great. Yeah, <laughs> so she, but it's 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 more or less true. It's just that you wrote it with your wife as well. I'm not that horny. Is that true? No, not anymore. What happened? I ta- I've been talking about sex for four years. Did you? It meet takes that? it out of it. It takes the fun out. Sure. It's like, for it's, me, like watching comedy. Yeah. Yes. It becomes work. <laughs> yeah. It's like you work like, at KFC, you don't want chicken anymore. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I do. I love fried chicken. <laughs> Speaking of fried chicken, Christopher, let's go back to the days of old. Where, where does this start? Like, Is fried chicken an ancient food deal? Yeah. Well, you know, in, back in the day, they had, uh, they had millet. Uh, they had frankincense. That's not a food stuff. <laughs> And then there was fried chicken. There was that good old greasy fried chicken. Do you remember that? Yeah, it was a good time. All things you can gather. Yeah. Yeah, hunter-gatherers yeah. used to pluck an extra tasty crispy from out right the tundra. Right from the root. But you're kind of a hunter-gatherer expert, yeah? You know, what, what, what's it, what, should we should start before hunter-gatherers. Let's start at primates. What, what is the, what, because the primary point that you make in the book is that the, that the default position of the human who is a primate is that we should be, we should be 
All right, I never use the word should. Oh, right. right. That, that'll get you into trouble. You have to. <laughs> must. Yeah, must. we prefer must, yeah. Uh, okay, the, the argument is that uh, our ancestors who uh, lived in hunter-gatherer bands, which are about 150 people or fewer, uh, shared everything. Now, this is not controversial. They including that fried chicken? Including <laughs> that fried chicken, right. They shared, they took care of uh, the children communally. They shared their food. They shared... Uh, like Arcade Fire. <laughs> sure. It they are technically like a hunter-gatherer band. band. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, but yeah. that the one who looks like cool Hitler's fucking everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no, that's oh. the point of the show. Yeah. You oh, I expect okay. you all to apologize okay, every time you interrupt. So, <laughs> I'm a girl. <laughs> so, uh, so all we did in the book is we took it one step further and said they were also sharing sexual pleasure, right. which makes perfect sense when you think about it because the, this, what we call the standard narrative is that men are trading uh, resources to particular women in exchange for fidelity so that they know they're not raising another man's children, which would be a genetic mistake, right? That's the, the sort of mainstream Darwinian view of human sexual evolution. What we're saying is before agriculture, there was no private property. So why would men be concerned about fidelity? They weren't passing anything on to their children. There is no property. Right? So this is all what we call Flintstoneization. It's looking at the world as it is today and projecting it into prehistory. And screaming, Wilma! Is that right? Exactly. You need more laughter after every joke. Okay. (laughs) I can't tell how many times my car tipped over after getting in and out. That's a joke that was in the Flintstonian voice. Yeah, that was good. I'm using a modern detail, and it even area-specific with an and out. So it's, a, it's an A-plus joke. <laughs> so what, okay, so what? So what, what do you learn from chimpanzees? Uh, that, okay. should, that should inform our own sexuality Right. Today. Well, okay, in the book we look at four major sources of information. Primates, particularly chimps and bonobos, who are the most closely related to humans. Uh, we look at anthropology, particularly hunter-gatherer people who live the way our ancestors did before agriculture, which is about 10,000 years ago, which sounds like a long time, right? But our species, anatomically modern humans, have been around for 200,000 years, Damn! Right. So agriculture is 5% of our existence as a species. And you could actually look much further back than that. Anyway, so primates, anthropology, um, contemporary psychosexual research, what turns people on, what kind of porn are they into, what kind of relationship issues they have, etc. And very interestingly, human uh, reproductive anatomy. The design of our genitalia tells you about the sex lives of our ancestors. Mine says Fila on it. <laughs> Mine says Umbro. It does? Yeah. Are you a soccer player? Oh, you guys are Oh, you're supposed to play soccer? That's cool. Mine says CVS. <laughs> That's all right, man. Do you just come a long receipt? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll save ten dollars next time. And rip it off. <laughs> so what about what about? I, I I've read some of your book and there's. Tell us about why uh, the anatomy is different, or like what that tells us about. Right. Well. Um, okay. So for example, uh, the fact that humans have external testicles. Right? What's that tell us? In the book, we say that external scrotum is like having a spare fridge in the garage just for beer. 
If you're the kind of guy who has a beer fridge in your garage, you expect a party to break out at any moment. You want to be prepared, right? That's what the scrotum does. You think any man in here will tell you it's a high-risk endeavor to have your balls outside your body, right? That is Hell not, yeah. Hell right. yeah. Uh, gorillas, who have a different mating system, gorillas are harem-based mating systems. So there's one alpha male. He beats the other males, kicks them out of the group, and then he takes over the females, and all the babies are his. So the evolutionary pressure on gorillas and other animals that mate in this system is bigger and stronger and fiercer males. That's why a male gorilla is twice the size of a female gorilla. That's called body size dysmorphism. Now, that's called the pimp game, I believe. (laughs) All right. Now, pimps in the audience might be interested to know that a gorilla's... You listening, UCB pimps? (laughs) Everybody's perking up now. A male gorilla's penis is this big. Erect. Wow, that's huge. And I'm not saying from the elbow. That's not twice elbow. as big as mine. So that's a gorilla's penis wow. right there. And his balls are the size of kidney beans, and they're in his abdomen. He doesn't have any scrotum. And this, this got me in trouble at TED, by the way, but that's another story. Um, they wouldn't let me show my gorilla penis really? slide. Yeah. Wow. Fucking TED, man. And you, know, you know what? I mean, that was a whole thing. This was written up in the New York Times. I had a big thing with TED. That's, really? Yeah. And what about Mark Wahlberg? Was he cool? <laughs> Boom, boom. Is that an A plus joke? Well, no, but I, you got to laugh at the B. I, I would B. say an A minus. You think yeah. Oh, joke? totally. I would say it's an ape plus. Uh, ah, and there's a mix here, you guys. Yeah, yeah. So a gorilla's got a little dick. Gorilla's got a little dick, that's tiny balls. That's instructive, actually. It was weird that I adjusted my glasses with gorilla dick. <laughs> but that's instructive to the women in the audience if you're ever with a man with a very small penis and you don't know how to compliment right. him. You can just say, oh, shit, give me that gorilla dick. Oh, my God. <laughs> He'll never know, and you'll be, like, laughing on the inside. Like, oh. Barely. True. Barely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nick. Yeah. Should give you a show. Yeah. <laughs> so what you were saying, you got in trouble with... With that gorilla dick at Ted. <laughs> yeah, that's a different story, though. What are we talking about? Oh, the, the, so uh, chimps, humans, and bonobos have external testicles. A chimp and a bonobo, their balls are like that. They're like chicken eggs. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And their penises are pretty long, almost as long as the human. Human penis is the longest and thickest of all that's primates. What's up? That's right. <laughs> longest and the thickest. <laughs> And, and the design of the human penis is interesting, too. It's got that flared head. And, you know, you think that, like, the old in-out is typical. It's got that flared head. Now, new and improved with flared heads. Yeah. So it's got the flared head, and human, you know, intercourse is this whole in-out thing, right? Which you sort of think, oh, all animals are like that. No. Most animals, it's in, come, out. What? Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, been really? there, bro. Uh, like chimps? Chimps, chimps are just like, uh. bonobos. Chimp penis is this weird conical thing. So is there, are they, so when they get in there, do they stay or do they just like get in there and blast right away? Is there any foreplay yeah. or is it like they're just, he gets in, he's like, I'm ready. Let's, and then he. Yeah, chimps, that. there's very little foreplay and it's rear entry and so on. Yeah. Bonobos, uh-huh. who are equally closely related to humans as chimpanzees, both very, very closely related. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are really interesting sexually. They look in each other's eyes. They're the only other animal. What's that like? (laughs) (laughs) 
Good joke. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, that's an A plus joke. Yeah, yeah, great. Especially, right, we're going to drop the grading system. Yeah, I know. There's, there's a joke inflation in comedy. Now you can. I wanted to get one. Um, yeah. No, they look in each other's eyes. They hold hands. They um, kiss. They French kiss. Wow. Yeah. Oh, they kiss real? each other's. Yeah, bonobos, bonobos are really interesting. Bonobos eat that pussy. <laughs> yes. They do. Yeah. They really? Their oral sex is so. They, do they have sex for pleasure? Yes. Oh wow. Yeah. And see, that's why they're so interesting as a model for human. But before I get into okay. the sexual pleasure, let me finish the flared head thing so people don't think I just oh, like yeah, talking like, about no, it. No, please do. I so. like the way you're describing dicks like they're Gap jeans. Yeah. <laughs> you got the that bell bottom. You got the boot cut. <laughs> Relaxed fit. You got the Japanese selvage. <laughs> Similar to a gorilla. Yeah. Yeah. Distressed. Yeah. Um, so the... I've seen dress- a couple of those. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've created a couple of those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Slim fit. Uh, Big teeth. Yeah, slipping, stonewashed. Anyway, the stonewashing is terrible. Mom jeans. So you got that hyper color. They're riffing. Yeah. Um, what the hell am I talking about? Flared heads. Broad so the, the flared heads. Excuse me. Uh, are those bugle boy jeans you're wearing? <laughs> no, that's a flared head dick. <laughs> All right, should I? Yeah, you go. I, I feel like a salmon trying to spawn. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to go upstream. So anyway, the the flared head and the, the the repeated thrusting action creates a vacuum in the woman's reproductive tract to pull back pre-existing sperm. Oh, is that how the queep was invented? <laughs> Wait, do bonobos queef? queef? Latifa. Yeah. Uh, no, they don't queef because they have that conical, that? conical penis. Yeah. This motherfucker oh, okay. is a doctor of whether or not bonobos queef. It's all I've ever wanted yeah. to know. You got the greatest life, Christopher. Yeah. No, wait. This okay. wasn't what I planned. <laughs> it kind of was, though. <laughs> yeah, I can see. It all makes sense in retrospect. So, yeah. what was the last thing you said about. Oh, oh, bonobos yeah. and the okay. The other thing about bonobos is that they uh, there's all sorts of same sex behavior. There's every combination imaginable except um, mother son. That's the one thing, and that makes me wow. think that motherfucker is the oldest word. It predates language because they could fuck anybody, but the son and the mother never fuck. Oh. So father daughter could do it. Yeah, although they normally don't because the daughters, the the females leave the natal group when they become sexually mature. It's called female exogamy. So they leave and join another group. So the father and the daughter aren't normally together, but if they are, like in a zoo situation, then they they have sex. Yeah. And is that what the song "Dance with My Father" by Luther Vandross was about? <laughs> No, but why do why do you think that taboo exists? Because they're so free of all taboo. Why do you think the mother son taboo exists? It's probably uh, purely a genetic, you know, a DNA issue that led to it. And it's, I wouldn't call it a taboo because it's not human. So end up um, with some real wobbly bonobos. <laughs> <laughs> the flared the thing of the the vacuuming out other. Chimps, chimps or bonobos? What are we talking about right now? Humans. Humans. Okay, how quickly do they got to do that? Like, I, I mean, it, is that made to like after a girl gets inseminated, a guy has to come in right away because that sperm's getting to work, right? 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. The sperm uh, can last, so can be viable about three days in, oh. in the woman's reproductive oh, okay. system. Then that makes sense. Um, but Good it, to know. <laughs> yeah. Morning after pill, kind of like the three-day after pill, yeah, if we're being actually, honest about it. Actually, yeah. Chris, that was an inter- one of the most interesting things in your, that I found really fascinating in your book was the, and you told me that I asked you why it is that women make more noise during sex right. than, than men do. And it's connected all the way back, in your opinion, to prim- primate behavior, right? Yeah, that also got me in trouble at TED. Uh, Meg Ryan was in the audience, so I oh, went yeah. off I'll script. Have she's having. Yeah, I went off script to like say hello to her. Uh, yeah, that's called female copulatory vocalization. And there are people who study that in primates all over the world. And, uh, yeah, because you think about it, it doesn't make sense, right? Like, you're having sex, you're very vulnerable to predators, right? I mean, you're, you're obviously distracted. Yeah. Uh, and if you're making noise, that's advertising the fact that you're very vulnerable. And there's like a two-for-one two special on, you know, monkey meat. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you're calling in leopards. So why would people make noise when they have sex? And why is it that women invariably across the world in every culture make more noise to make your roommate jealous Nick, we're talking before okay, roommates, okay? okay before okay. that was even a paradigm that we lived in. <laughs> okay. So why uh, is it? Yeah, why? Yeah, well, it uh, it turns out that female copulatory vocalization is pronounced, pun not intended, among primates that are promiscuous. And what it does is it attracts other males to the mating frenzy and creates what scientists call sperm competition. Because it's Does to the females. <laughs> I've never played. No, uh, how do you know. play? Me and Nick have. It's like a UCB thing. I don't know what he's talking about. I always play with a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought it was a racial thing. Yeah. You're t- yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry. That, unfor- that, that unfortunately nice. I've played. <laughs> That actually sounds like a more fun game yeah. than the salt team, but uh, yeah. so you're looking at me. What is there? Oh yes. Yeah. Wait. Oh, so so it's like is this like a like a cat in heat? Everybody comes like right. everybody comes to get the cat. Pre- yeah, and so yeah. then the whoever has the strongest sperm wins. And yeah, keeps... I could tell you some weird shit about cat penises. Well, too. I wanted. To, I have. I've thought a lot about cat penises. Actually, let me put a pin in that cat penis because uh-huh. the other thing you said was that that's also related to why it takes women generally longer to have orgasms right. than men. And so why men lose all interest in sex the minute they come. And why is Wait. that? To get out of the way. For, uh, yeah, for, for the other men. For basically, from, and t- correct me if I'm wrong, the reason that the woman makes so much noise during sex, the f- I don't mean woman. I thought it was because he didn't tell. respect me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what he's saying is we can't yeah. help that disrespect. <laughs> right. That's physiological it's and idiot. evolutionary. Oh, so forgive that us. makes me feel yeah. better. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, but, but basically, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but the idea is that the, the reason that, the fem- that a female makes more noise during sex is to attract other primates to come have sex with them because primates are designed for multiple partners and the reason it takes women such a long time to have an orgasm is because they're waiting for like chimp number seven to come along with that big old strong conical dick from across the jungle right yeah it might take a while yeah he's got a banana to eat <laughs> right and, and also female orgasm is a is a real conundrum for for tell me uh, about it researchers. <laughs> don't tell me about it because i don't need to know because <laughs> i'm not interested <laughs> tell me some about it <laughs> Tell me every other time about yeah. it. 
Well, it turns out that uh, when a woman has an orgasm, her body is essentially favoring the sperm of the man who comes in her right after she has an orgasm. Her The pH of her vaginal tract completely changes to be welcoming to semen, whereas before it actually attacks semen. She has what's called upsuck, which is every mm-hmm. eight-tenths of a second, her body... Uh, it descends into what's called the seminal pool. The the cervix descends. Yeah. Seriously, I've seen films of this shit, man. It no, looks I have like too. <laughs> the cervix dipping into the seminal pool looks like an elephant trunk, like going into like wow. you know a spilled milk or something. Uh huh. And so she's pulling up the sperm of the guy. So in other words, if a woman's having sex with five different guys, let's say, right? She her body is choosing the guy who gets who has the best chance of impregnating. What if it's all at the same time? Five guys at the same time. Right. I mean, are, are we, is everybody thinking about gangbangs right now? Like, yeah. and, and I don't mean that in like, you know, is everybody thinking about gangbangs? But like, it's a. What's interesting about it, and, and you're not. I don't know what you're eventually. But like, like, uh, there's a. There are a lot of videos uh, based on that premise, and um, it's interesting. I mean, and I, obviously people are quite turned on by it because there's a ton of them. <laughs> Wait, Nick, are, are, are you turned on right now? Yeah, I'm hoping this whole uh, audience will fucking come on my cracker. <laughs> uh, but it's interesting. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting uh, literal evolution, I guess. But it's n- that's not what the point of those videos is about. <laughs> but what? And if we move away from primates into the earliest uh, hunter-gatherer societies, which is where we sort of started, what? What you're saying that that, that behavior, that sort of primate kind of promiscuity, will, is you can see evidence of it spilled over into the earliest human civilizations before we. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, what we're talking about is contemporary hunter-gatherers, right? So they're not the earliest. They've been evolving as long as we have, and so on. But the point is that you study contemporary hunter-gatherers because they live in the same ways that our ancestors did. They're nomadic. They're you know finding food and eating it that day. There's no accumulated resources. There's no settled villages. That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So what you find is that the behavior is a reflection of the ecological context right so it's it's the most relevant comparison but in our book that's why we looked at four different sources of information because you know there's a criticism to be made saying well okay you find some hunter gatherers that do this or that but hey we don't live that way anymore right so you've got to extrapolate from or or triangulate from different sources so with hunter gatherers what you find um like for example there's a thing called partable paternity which relates to the gang banging and all that yeah um in lots of different yeah yeah, lots of different tribes in the amazon uh people believe now these are people who live in um tribes that have no contact with one another no common language so it's not an idea that's spread right it's something that's arisen independently in different places and the idea is that a fetus is literally made of accumulated semen so when a woman starts menstruating, she's a little pregnant, but she won't like reach a tipping point and actually start forming a fetus until she's accumulated enough, enough semen, semen that it becomes a baby. With enough different men. That's the thing, right. So it doesn't have to be with the same man. That would take longer, right? Yeah. So what if she wants to have a baby, as all women do, who's smart and funny and a good hunter and strong, Right. she has sex with the smart guy and the funny guy and the good hunter and the strong guy to get the essence of all those guys into her baby. It's like the movie Twins. (laughs) (laughs) What do you do with the DeVitos is my question. (laughs) 
And who is the Danny DeVito of the Amazonian uh, now, tribe community? Uh, is, is there anything to this of like, yeah, dudes are dogs. They can convince, uh, they can create a culture that's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We all got to fuck you if you want the best kid. Uh, <laughs> well, here's the thing. Look, among among a mammals, a doctor, a really yeah, yeah, huge yeah. guy. Like, we all got to. Uh, the yeah, village sorry. people. It's a, Voltron, it's a Voltron situation. We all got to get in here. It's called two Jews and a Gentile. <laughs> We're doing it for your own good. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, here's the thing about human beings, right? This isn't just about men, and this is primarily about women, because we all accept that men like to have more sex than they're getting generally. But this is about women. Human beings are extremely unusual. Among mammals, like there are thousands of mammals, right? Species of mammals. Uh, There are five, uh, just a handful, that have sex when the female can't get pregnant. Right? We think that's just normal. We're having sex all the time. Well, I'm sorry. Dogs only have sex when the female is The only time I want to have sex. When you can't get pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also, we have sex in ways that can't possibly lead to pregnancy, right? That's oh, exceedingly the, the rare. I'm talking booty. I'm talking oral. I'm talking, you know. With condoms. Coming on your cracker. And there are all yeah. sorts of ways. So that's unbelievably rare. The, uh, there are 300 and some species of primate. Uh, there's not uh, many of which live in complex social groups. None of them are monogamous. So the idea that humans, the most social, the most intelligent primate, is naturally monogamous is completely ridiculous from a scientific perspective. And the idea that, that, like, that our book is radical in some way, I mean, I'm grateful we sold a lot of books, but it's silly because it's an obvious point. So It's not that obvious. It's super I mean, obvious. You, Once you see it, it's like, what other animals have sex for pleasure? Bonobos, chimps, humans, dolphins. That's it. Right, but what about the idea that, that like, and just to throw a stone at that argument that I'm sure you've had before, it's like the reason that monogamy has developed in human beings is because it takes such a long time to raise a human, a human baby, and there has to be a family unit there to protect that child and raise it. Well, following that argument, you would say... <laughs> Well, first of all, our ancestors didn't live in nuclear families. There are no nuclear family uh, tribes living as hunter-gatherers. That's not the way it is, right? That's, again, Flintstoneization. They live in communal communities. They share everything. Anthropologists refer to it as fierce egalitarianism. It's not just that they share stuff. If you don't share, you're fucked. You're out, right? right? So it's a very different way of organizing socially. So why would we assume that they're sharing everything but, you know, if uh, if a snake comes into the village, I'm going to say, well, I don't know, that's Moshe's kid. I'm not going to worry about that snake. My kid's over here. That's not the way they, they behave, right? So child protection, child support, all this stuff is communal. What was that? You were telling me a story about that guy in Quebec. Oh, yeah, there was um, an example of a, a Montagnier Indian in, like, the 1600s. There was a French Jesuit missionary, and um, they were having a, a feast, which is very common, by the way, even among societies that have what anthropologists call marriage, which is another discussion of what constitutes marriage. Anyway, the, this... Um, tribe was having this feast, this festival, and the people were having an orgy. And the Jesuit was offended, and he said to the guy, well, why are you letting your women have sex with all these different men? And the, the Indian was like, well, why not? Everybody's having fun. What's the problem? And the Jesuit said, well, how will you know which children are yours? 
And he said, you French are really strange. You only love your children. We love all the children. And this struck the, the Jesuits so much that he wrote about it in his memoirs years later. But what about the genetic of, like, let's say, like, two kids end up from similar, you know, like, from, you know, two kids, same father from two different kids in a village like that, and they're not clear whose kid is who, that they get married, have a child, or they procreate and have a child that the, I mean, isn't that part of it or not? Right, I mean, ostensibly, there's not a Mori Povich for every village, right? <laughs> <laughs> Mori Povich, every result would be like, who cares? <laughs> they all dance. Doesn't they all start dancing. <laughs> I mean, is the well, idea that it, it, that's not even a, co- a question that makes sense contextually to that to that group? It's like, well, whose father? Who's the father? We're all the father. Yeah, we're all the father. But humans like chimps and bonobos um, are female exogamous. So human females also tend to leave their natal group and go join another group when they become sexually mature. So that's how the that's the, how you don't end up fucking your dad. Yeah, exactly. Right. Gotcha. About that. All right. And what, tell me I about, lived at home from 25 to 27. What does that say about me? He's <laughs> not a psychiatrist. As a primate, what does that say about me? No, I, um, I'm interested then why uh, clearly we, we get married and we're in these, um, we're monogamous now because we own property and we have to own. Is it about owning a person? Is it about. It is? Yeah, the, the argument is that monogamy became uh, an institution at the same time that uh, our ancestors settled into you know villages, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the first time you have accumulated resources. So you've got hierarchies, you've got I mean everything changed radically with agriculture for the worse in most in most ways. And like women's status, right? Women went from in hunter-gatherers being high status, very respected, um, bringing in about 80% of the calories of what people eat. The hunters, what were the guys doing? Oh, they were they hunting, were hunting okay. but they, you know, sometimes they get something, sometimes they don't. Yeah. But the women are out bringing in fruit and, you know, insects and you know, rodents and Women whatever. be shopping. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Shopping. Yeah. Even before shopping, women were still be shopping. Right. They were still be shopping. I mean, there are, there are all sorts of theories that that's why women are more are better at a color and they've got certain kinds of spatial memory that men don't have because they remember where the berries were and oh. this time of year the fruit is over here there's all sorts of really interesting like echoes of this yeah. in modern society and then agrarian society takes over people settle down and then what happens and the to shit, sex and sexuality shit gets weird man i mean if you read like you know the old weirder than upsuck <laughs> well, that shit sounded weird already <laughs> Upsuck continues, yeah. Yeah. Well, you read. Speaking of Upsuck, you were talking about the Old Testament? Yeah, the Old Testament. <laughs> In the Old Testament, you know, there's that famous line, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, right? And everybody thinks that's about respecting their marriage. But you read it in context, it says, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his house, nor his servants, nor his ox, nor his ass. It's about not coveting your neighbor's property. Yeah. It has nothing to do with respecting a marriage. The wife is just another thing that he owns, right? Women were essentially demoted to domesticated animals. I mean, do you think that's a, a little bit hyperbolic or no? I mean, no. Do you? Not, women, yeah, I do. I guess I do. I, I, mean, don't, I don't. Look at the Middle East. Still today, a woman is stoned to death for the crime of having been raped. Okay? That's still happening today. And you read in the Old Testament, that shit's all over the place. Mm-hmm. All right, we're trying to do a comedy show here. Yeah. So. <laughs> Forgot. Sorry. No, I actually Sorry. have a bit on this. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and still to this day. 
Yeah. So Sorry. how do you apply it, right? So, okay, so agrarian society co- comes along. Yeah. Property gets invented as a notion. Women's status goes way down. Men's status goes way up. Then wouldn't you would think that logically speaking, and if you want to talk about the Old Testament, logically speaking, we were still, men, when they, even when they became in charge, were still saying in the Old Testament, well, we should be able to be promiscuous and fuck whoever we want. Well, women aren't able to do that. And at some point, that even that notion went away. So where did monogamy come from? Well, that's that's a really interesting point. Until very recently, about 30 years ago, monogamy referred to the behavior of married women. Until 30 years ago? Right. Really? Yeah, and that was the official definition of monogamy, both politically and, uh, and religiously. So... You but know, it's not like it was totally societally acceptable. It might have been like low-key, wink-wink acceptable. But 30, 35 years ago, it's not like men were not ever expected to be faithful to their wives. Well, I would point towards the documentary Mad Men. And <laughs> Such a good point. And no, but no, I'm just saying like yeah. if, if it was totally acceptable, then then the, 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 the pilot of, of, Don, uh, of Mad Men wouldn't have made sense. He wouldn't have been like, at the end of the day, go touch his wife. He would have just been like, I'd be fucking, i do it all day, fuck you. I'm sure that's happened. Well, think, saying, what, what, what legal rights did she have to divorce him in 1961? Nothing. Mm-mm. Right? Oh, he fucked someone? Well, it's too bad. Suck it up, you know? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, and still, I mean, there's all sorts of shit like, you know, crimes of passion. Like, you find your wife so- fucking someone, you kill her, you get off on, you know, you're like, oh, well, whatever, you know, of course, that was to be expected. Again, not funny. Right. Um, (laughs) But it goes back to the sort of the point that, like, men are dogs in that they can convince, like, a culture as to what serves them, right? So... Well, yeah, I mean, uh, patriarchy and, you know, agricultural patriarchy definitely favor men in that respect. Sure. But, But again, the reason is that it's about paternity. So in order to assure paternity, you only have to control the wife's behavior, right? It doesn't matter. If the man's screwing the maid, that doesn't matter because the maid's kids or the slaves or, you know, Ben, who was it, Thomas Jefferson, you know, like that sort of stuff didn't matter because there was no questioning paternity. Who's going to inherit this stuff is what it's all about. Right. That's why the men could do whatever they wanted, but the woman couldn't. You really think that's 100% what monogamy is about, is about the accumulation and uh, dispersal of property? I think that's how it originated. I think it's you know become many different things since then, of course. Yeah, I mean, now it's about emotions and other unfunny things. No, well, but, but emotions that, are funny. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. You see someone get real angry sometimes. You're like, look at that idiot. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I guess like, where where does the modern notion of monogamy as connected to love come from? And you just think it's it is a it's a flaw. It's a it's a it's a hiccup in the matrix. No, I don't think it's a flaw. I think that uh, sexual monogamy is like vegetarianism, right? I think it's. It can be very ethical and, uh, you know, create a better world. It, you know, it can be healthier, et cetera, et cetera. But the problem is that just because you've decided to be a vegetarian doesn't mean suddenly bacon doesn't smell good anymore, right? So that's the point of the book. We're, the book has just no... to be clear on the metaphor, ba- bacon is pussy, correct? Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, what you were saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, once in a while, you got to do. You yeah. know, hey, when you see a bacon pussy joke, you got to go. You I'm, go just, okay. I'm just picturing if I smelled a uh, pussy that smelled like bacon, <laughs> how I would feel. <laughs> like like a bacon douche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> 
Right, so monogamy. But, are you Jewish? Because mm-hmm. that, that adds it's a whole, a whole other. other. It's a whole other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're more, now you're more turned on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Forbidden. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, okay, so. Because uh, pussy's not kosher. But you do. <laughs> but you do. There is a part. There is a part of you that. <laughs> It is not, not for a Jewish champ, you know. <laughs> and when you're in deep, this deep in the champ game, but, but you do kind of feel like. The, uh, tell me if I'm wrong. I, I don't, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but from the conversations we've had, like there's a party that feels like some of the woes of society would be cured if if human beings were less concerned with monogamy and more open about their sexual relationships. Correct. Well, yeah, in the sense that um, I think a lot of the ills of society would would be lessened if people understood what sort of animal Homo sapiens really are, and then cut ourselves some slack, each other and and ourselves. So, you know, I mean, until very recently, uh, masturbation was considered a big problem, right? You know, and we could get into all sorts of unfunny things about what people were doing to stop their kids from masturbating. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you might not know that cornflakes and graham crackers were invented to stop teenage boys from jerking off. This is the part that's not funny. <laughs> Why? No, I, I'm just starting with yeah, this. Yeah. yeah, no. How come? Uh, because it was believed. And now we're talking about 19th century, early 20th century. Oh, right. Century. Yeah, yeah. The, the Kellogg. Got, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Kellogg was a huge anti-masturbation activist, as was Sylvester Graham. And the idea was that spicy foods, flavors, excited the energies of the body, the you know lustful passions. So you need to eat really bland shit so you won't get turned on. Right? Also, cornflakes kind of smell like cum. <laughs> That's on purpose. It's aversion therapy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So okay, so they invented cornflakes and graham crackers. And graham crackers. And they, what was the idea that if you eat nutritiously, you will be less no, no bland, no flavor. It was about the the blandness. Of and it. that'll make you want to masturbate less. Yeah. What about uh, toaster strudel icing? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing when they start. You know, Tony the Tiger got involved. Oh, everything's yeah. over. Right. Very different. Spicy. Playing yeah. with your dick's not just good for you. It's great. <laughs> So, so does, do people ask, like, well, what about the other tenets of primate society that were acceptable then? Like, and you'll probably, you'll, I would think, have some sort of interesting response, like murder <laughs> or whatever. You're like, well, chimps don't murder each other. They bub up, you know what I mean? Yeah. But like yeah. the other tenets that we have, we've abandoned as we became an evolved society. Yeah. Well, you know, to say that that human beings are animals and that we have a certain nature as an animal is not to say that therefore nothing else that's happened since then is relevant, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, we start off in the book saying humans didn't descend from apes. We are apes. And it's true. We are apes. There's no getting around that. If you look at, you know, our bodies and our, you know, the, everything about us is clear we are an African ape. And we are very closely related to chimps and bonobos. Now, here's the thing. Chimps are pretty violent. They're pretty nasty. If you throw a bunch of food into a chimp enclosure, the alpha male and his coalition will fight and they'll take control of the food and then maybe they'll share some with a female if she's ovulating because there's some, you know, nookie to be had there. Um, If you throw a bunch of food into a bonobo enclosure, they'll look at the food. They'll all fuck each other, and then they'll share the food. <laughs> wow. It sounds kind of cool. Right. So, uh, is that what Burning Man is based on? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, yeah, I could tell you stories. But anyway, uh, 
The the thing about bonobos is no bonobo in 50 years of observation in the wild and in captivity, no bonobo has ever been seen to rape or kill another bonobo, ever. Which is amazing. You think of them, I mean, they've been in laboratories, they've been tortured, they've been, no bonobo has ever killed another bonobo. Wow. Somebody hasn't seen Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> Which one is a, in that movie is a bonobo? Koba. That's what actually that was. Chris was telling me that, 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 that there's this big scandal yeah. because Koba. You, you guys remember Koba, the bad guy, the bad guy on the planet was is actually a, a bonobo, which is the peace monkey. Oh. And all these primate nerds are like, "Why don't make Koba a bonobo? That's <laughs> primate inaccurate." <laughs> not, notwithstanding the speech and the machine guns, <laughs> we're fine with that. So yeah, but if they fucked with like early '90s like Bay Area hip hop, you'd be like, "What? Come on, <laughs> E40 fucking didn't sing that." You know what I mean? Like you'd be pissed off as shit. That's Dawn of the Planet of the I Got Grapes. <laughs> you got to know some shit to know that that's an A plus joke only in the East Bay region of of San Francisco. Bay Area. Anyway. I sold you but down what's the, what's um, what does that mean? What's the that chimps will murder each other and bonobos won't? What's what are we supposed to take from that? Well, you know that's the thing you take from it. You know the fact that humans have both natures. I, I mm-hmm. think that we are. You know, it's like the 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 evil and the good spirits over our shoulders, whispering in our ears. Yeah. You know, it's very clear. That, and and the thing is. The way I think of chimps and bonobos is like I've got twin brothers, right? They are... Goofus and gallant. Right, okay. They're very closely related to each other, but after each other, I'm the next one, right? But I'm as closely related to one as I am to the other. Gotcha. One of them's a nasty, warlike, male-dominated pain in the ass, right? Yeah. The other one is this really chill, cool dude who never hurt anybody. And But what do you read about in the media? You read about the chimps all the time. The chimps, the chimps, the chimps. Very rarely. Most people here probably never heard of bonobos. Until the last four or five years, there's never mentioned, right? They're just fucking and eating because they're fucking and eating and hanging out so there's a political reason to talk about the chimps because it ties into this whole thing about how evil humans are and And all the bonobos live in portland (laughs) (laughs) with beards yeah 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 exactly so uh, so right so so you're not saying that we're more bonobo like than we are chimp like you're just saying that people only focus on the chimp like nature of our of us so that, that right. somehow that information subconsciously is excuses it, it, and and informs the right. restrictions we put on ourselves exactly there's a political bias to focusing on chimps and ignoring bonobos and that is and they do rip off people's faces at birthday parties chimps <laughs> yes. yeah yeah but bonobos fuck people's the, faces at birthday parties <laughs> <laughs> and then eat the cake. Arch- and, and then get into the cake. <laughs> Who wants some cake? I'm done fucking your son's face. Who wants some cake? Oh, uh, shit. And yeah, Franz Duval uh, said, he's the great primatologist, he said that chimps use violence to get sex, bonobos use sex to avoid violence. Oh. So that's a good way to remember them. So why did we go chimp, chimp style? That's we it. Didn't. Some of us did, some of us didn't, right? But really, we did. I mean, look at the world. Well, how many people have you killed? I don't want to talk about that. See? <laughs> See, this Unless is we're the thing. East Bay hip hop. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I mean, you know, I was talking to a guy recently. There's this whole like uh, debate about like the primate origins of war, the primate origins of rape, and there are all these books ex- saying that rape is a logical mating behavior because you know it's like blah blah blah, chimps of chimps and chimps. Is that written by the author R. R. Rapist? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's written by a Harvard professor, actually. Yeah. So this is real mainstream thinking, right? But it's bullshit. How can you say rape is normal human behavior? You know, it makes sense from a genetic perspective and ignore the equally relevant primate model that brother. never raped yeah. anyone. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Well, so okay. why why has it been, why has the connection of bonobos been ignored? Because they're just not, it's just not as fun press? Well, no, like, I think it's two things. I think one, it doesn't feed into a political argument that humans are by nature evil, which goes back to Hobbes, right, who mm-hmm. said that before the state, human life was solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. Right? Bullshit, 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 bullshit. Let's go go play Calvin. Wasn't that the other thing? (laughs) (laughs) So... Yeah, yeah, he was imaginary, though. Yeah. Yeah. How did not even exist, dude? Who are you talking about? So that's part of it, all right? It's a very serious political thing. Right? So it basically is like this sort of a, this uh, intrinsic pessimism about the human nature is more attracted to the narrative that comes from the chimp society than... Yeah, I mean, I would say it's more than pessimism. I would say that it's, um, it, it justifies the existence of the state and the church and other controlling institutions because they're they're saying, look, we're the only thing separating you from mayhem because without police and power and blah, 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 you'd all be killing each other because that's your nature. So you need this like veneer of civilization. But the other the other reason that it's strange, is, I mean, that it's not discussed is Franz Duvall talked about how years ago, 10 years ago or 15 years ago, ABC, I think it was 2020 or one of those programs, um, commissioned a story on bonobos and they sent a film crew to Congo where they live and he was down there to go in the jungle and show them around and all that. And they were filming for a day, and they said, we're not going to be able to use any of this. He said, why? He said, well, they're just fucking all the time. He's like, yeah, that's what they do. Like, well, but we can't show that on TV. Like, we can't use this. So there's something offensive about this, like, embarrassing about this ape that fucks all the time. Mm. But anyway, getting back to, like, you know, well, what is the origin, the primate origins of, of violence and all that? The, the thing I always say is like, yes, humans have the capability to be very violent and cruel, obviously. We also have the capability to be very generous and kind and, you know, noble. But the thing is, nobody's walking around suffering from PTSD because they helped a stranger. Right? So to me, that tells me we're much more naturally bonobo-like than we are chimp-like. And so, okay, that, I think that's a good bridge to discuss. How that's is it? Point. How, how does this apply to me today? How do I get out of my monogamous relationship? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, the, what's the point for a modern reader reading this? Okay, here's this information, but we're still we still are in the world that we're in. We're still in a system where monogamy is sort of societally re- rewarded by and large. What's the information that that people can take now and apply to their lives? And why is it important now? Yeah, well, the first thing, as I said before, is to cut yourself some slack, right? Like, uh, the fact that your girlfriend or wife finds other men attractive is not an indictment of you. That doesn't mean you're a bad guy or you're not attractive. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with her, and it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with your relationship. It just means you're both homo sapiens. So if you start like accepting that no matter how much you love each other, loving each other doesn't stop you from being attracted to other people. That's normal. So if you start with that, then instead of like freaking out every time your partner looks at someone else, you can look at them together. 
You know, you, you don't have to be fucking them, but you could just acknowledge that there are other attractive people in the world. Can you yeah. be fucking them? <laughs> what about, but then what about the follow-up of, of beginning to act on it? Like, where does that, you know, because there's probably a lot more acknowledgement between couples of being like, that person's attractive. Like, not every couple's like, what the fuck? You want to fuck? Like, you yeah. know, there are guys who are like, yeah, you, yeah, he's handsome. But, like, that's fine until they're like, you're like, wait, you fuck that guy? Like, right. that... That's where that's where the, the I, I cutting people slack makes sense. It's just and that probably is a would be a great relief for people to feel as not being like that they've sinned by being attracted to someone besides their life partner. But then what what about the because we've all seen it and, or lived it like when someone does uh, step out that it can become complicated. She she was cheated on right. But, um, yeah. <laughs> Right. Well, you told me something interesting. Actually, and I don't mean to keep picking on you, but you keep you told me something interesting once upon a time. I, I never forget this, which I was like, you know, well, this doesn't work, or it doesn't work for everybody. And you said, well, it works better than our current system, which is monogamy with cheating, which yeah. is what people are usually doing, right? Instead of or saying, divorce, right? And, and instead of Serial saying, monogamy. this is what I need, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm 19, I gotta spread, right? What, what you, what we do is instead we say, I promise I'll be with you, I'll be monogamous, and then we go stray and cheat, and that's. Some of us, yeah. I, I what mean, are the statistics? You have good statistics. Well, I mean, everybody knows the 50% of marriages end in divorce, roughly, right? And that's first marriages. Second marriages, it's more like 70%. And, and 50% end in sweatpants as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite T-shirt that you made. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what... But how many... You were, you were saying something... You once told me the statistic about how many couples are, are not... Are, are cheat on one another. What the percentage female to male was. And it kind of... Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember the, the statistic. But in the U.S., it's something like 60% of men and 40% of women admit to having cheated. Right? That's 100. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's all of them. No, and but, and well, it's, it's okay. been well documented that women uh, underestimate regularly there was this great study where they women a, underestimate how much men are cheating how no how un, they underestimate how many lovers they've had and they're very they're much more discreet in scientific studies uh-huh men are like yeah but they're talking right. a lot more to each other about what's right. going on yeah <laughs> that's true so let's say let's say i'm in a relationship and it, you know it's time to have this discussion about you know opening the relationship up what what information is there for a person that wants to have that discussion why is that an important discussion do you think it's a good a good thing yeah i think it's as important as the discussion of whether you want kids or not right and it's it's funny that you know people generally talk about that early in the relationship right but they don't talk about this and there are plenty of people who know in their hearts they're not monogamous they know that, right. but they won't talk about it. And then it, you know, they ignore it and ignore it and ignore it, and then they get married, and then they have kids, and then you know they're in their thirties or forties or fifties, and then it's like, oh my god, I'm going to die. I have to fuck someone else, and then you end up with a disaster. I um, I'm in a relationship, and I told my boyfriend probably nine months ago that I was like, one night I was like, I could see maybe in the future I'd be okay with you fucking another girl, and. It was as if like, he reacted like a girl acts when she gets proposed to. Like he started crying. He called his dad. Like he was so psyched. Oh, it was really was the best reaction I've ever had from yeah. him about anything. He was like the fact that you just said that to me. Like it was, it was such a relief, and I meant it. But I mean, we we haven't come to that point yet. But like I, 
I do, I do cut him some slack, and I think that's uh, he's a big fan of your book and has given it to me. Uh, <laughs> he gave it to me. It's called Sex at Dawn. I was like, oh, is this like a book about like morning sex? Like I was like, oh, and then it was like about fucking other people. And uh, but it's I think I I think I like what you're saying, man. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Uh, what about like uh, same sex couples? Does no 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 no. <laughs> I'm sorry, we are not talking about that right now. Because like my gay friends, they're in that the the at least the male gay community seems m- more open to having m- not a, I'm not saying promiscuously, but like just are more open to various versions of monogamy. Yeah, I think it's much more common among uh men to recognize that sex and love are two different things. Mm. And then you can have sex with a friend, and it doesn't mean you're going to fall in love with them. So, um, you know, and and I think women sort of have an innate uh, ability to recognize that as well. But we have to remember, not to be too unfunny, but women have been threatened with death for thousands of years for being, you know, sexually uh, stepping out of line. So it's there's a lot of pressure on women uh, accumulated over millennia and also in the present day not to acknowledge that. I get so many emails from women. Really interesting. I didn't expect this at all. I get so many emails from women saying, I loved your book. I had to stop and masturbate every 10 pages. Mm. Right? It's not Fifty Shades of Grey, right? This is a science. But I think the reason yeah, that's why I can't on... finish it. <laughs> <laughs> Take your time. Okay. Take your time. <laughs> that's great. You th- it's well, almost, that's well, kind one... of a crazy concept. It's almost like they're not even, in my mind's eye, it's like, in my mind's eye, sorry, I'm picturing it. But it's like they're not even masturbating because of how sexual the book is. Because the book's not that overtly horny making. It's like they're masturbating to the destruction of the patriarchy. It's like. <laughs> It's like a spiritual mind jack, you know? Exactly. <laughs> it's a cool exactly. idea. I mean, it, it's liberation. I wish I lived in a world like this. <laughs> well, and the funny thing is, is once they come, they absorb the next 10 pages much quicker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the origin of the vibrator. This is a perfect... Whereas uh, the book falls asleep. Yeah, exactly. The the origin of the vibrator, that's Charles Darwin's lesser-known work, right? Yeah. (laughs) On the origin of the vibrator. Yeah, let's Uh, talk about that. Yeah, okay, so here's the the situation. The oldest uh, described human disease... Is something called hysteria. It was mm-hmm. de- it was described in the ancient Greek uh, medical texts thousands of years ago, right? And it's been described in many different societies, Victorian England included, especially late nineteenth century, early twenty, very early twentieth century. I'm talking about the eighteen eighteen seventies, eighties, nineties, and into the twentieth century. The number one reason for a woman to go to the doctor was treatment for hysteria. <gasps> All right. How did they treat hysteria? First of all, what are the symptoms of hysteria? Moodiness, sleeplessness, overall body pain, sort of a vague collection of symptoms. How did doctors treat this uh, malady? They put the woman on her back on a cot, the stirrups, two fingers inside, the other hand making a movement like this on the vulva. This... so. They're masturbating her until she has what they call... You could have just said they're masturbating her. Oh, no. No, I'm glad he didn't. No, there's there's, there's a particular technique. Look, I'm glad to get any tips I can. (laughs) That's 
That's crazy. Right. So they're masturbating these women. Now, there are articles in Lancet, you know, in the New England Journal of Medicine describing the technique of how to do this, and you have to move your other hand left to right, and the circular movement, and da They never say masturbation. They say they're uh, stimulating a nervous paroxysm, and then the woman will return in two or three weeks for another treatment. Hell so yeah, she will. It's the perfect Two or three hours. <laughs> yeah. It's the perfect disease. She doesn't die. She doesn't get better. She just keeps coming back. They're rolling in all this money. And so. the doctor's loving it. Well, yeah. that's the thing. The, the doctors are getting style. like... Yeah. yeah. Well, the doctors are getting like tennis elbow and stuff. And sure. Pussy so, elbow. Right. <laughs> I love <laughs> so this. So then they're like, well, wait a minute. This is the age of invention, right? Henry Ford and all that. Like, well, isn't there a way we can make Whoa. a machine that would do this and make more money? Because then we can treat five women at once. So they start inventing vibrators. For, they had like high pressure water. They would strap a woman into a chair, like get a fire hose and blast her with it. What? They had tables with pistons that come up from the table. They have these things like these diesel powered things that are hanging on chains and like roll them in. And you know, and this is for lesbians, right? Yeah. <laughs> this was also the how the store at Brookstone was started. <laughs> exactly. I felt more current than sharper. I mean. yeah, yeah. So what happened? What happened to all this stuff? So uh, by night, it's still for sale today. <laughs> what happened to the places you can go and have a doctor do it? <laughs> like that, that? I mean, like what? Did they just realize, like, oh, we're just giving these women orgasms, and this well, is kind of icky? I mean, it was a weird thing. Chris, they, you have a doctorate, right? I do. Yeah, <laughs> and I know the technique. Um, <laughs> I also have a Hitachi magic wand. So do I. I. Yes. <laughs> so do. My mom. <laughs> she had sciatica. No, she masturbated. I don't think you have an attachment with a phallic symbol on it for your sciatica. Basically, I'm saying I was deeply traumatized by the magic wand. My mom was also deaf, so she wasn't really aware of the fact that it was like. <laughs> so anyway. Holy shit, that's awesome. <laughs> it was not awesome for a long time. <laughs> Oh, Moshe. <laughs> yeah, that's what she screamed. Oh, Moshe. That was the worst part. I got to admit. That was the worst part. Oh, God. Did she think she was saying it to herself? <laughs> she would sign it, but I was watching, so I knew what she meant. <laughs> it keeps getting worse. <laughs> Can I see what Omosha would look like as a sign? I think it would, it would be like, uh, well, how would you go O? Because O, this is O if you're saying like O, yeah, like O I C, but O yeah. would be probably like, oh. <laughs> so what happened to these, these uh, the hysteria? What They just figured out. Well, by 1925, there were more vibrators than toasters in American homes. The vibrator was the fifth electrical home device ever patented. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So they were everywhere, and, you know, they were being sold as, like, you know, oh, good for your shoulder pain, you know that? Yeah. On uh, these catalogs. And then uh, in the 30s and 40s, it sort of became clear that, wait a minute, you know, these are being used for other things. And they went out of favor in the 30s and 40s, and then came back, of course, in the 60s. And then uh, just to quickly get back to the... Uh to the, the the difference between men and women, which is something that comedy has never really discussed before. <laughs> uh, but 
no, what about this notion that women, and that maybe this is bullshit, I don't know, but that, that there's this notion that women connect to their partners emotionally and men are able to much more just purely physically do it. So, like, you know, a woman might say, well, it's, it's fun, fine for you to go out and fuck someone emotionless, but if I fuck someone, I have to connect to them, I have to, I have to feel like I like that person, and so not only is that going to take more time, it's also going to risk my love relationship. Yeah, I think that's largely true in, in this society. I think there are many exceptions to that. Sure. Um, but I think as a general sort of, you know, <clears throat> tendency, that's probably true. I, I do think that it's mostly cultural indoctrination, though, because in the anthropological stuff that we study, there are many, many examples of societies in which women have just as much or more casual sex than men do, largely because they have more opportunities. So, um, but we live in a society where, you know, still you're, you're looked down upon, you're, you know, you lose your market value in the mating market. I mean, there's all sorts of really negative repercussions to that in this society. And there's this idea, what is it, is it parody? Is that the word? This idea that you love, you love someone, you were telling me about this and I thought it was really sort of beautiful and profound, like loving someone enough to want them to find their own pleasure. Oh, right. There's a word for that in the polyamory community. Um, I forget what it's called. But, yeah, it's like taking pleasure in the fact that your partner is having a good time. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's com- compersion. It's compersion. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So what, is, what have you seen, um, you know, either in your own relationship or in other relationships where there is polyamory? I mean, I guess it's that's well, a, a very broad question. Yeah. What positivity have you seen co- happen in these right. modern iterations of well, and negativity? The first thing you see is that people who are in polyamorous relationships, well, we should define polyamory means like you are having different ongoing relationships and there's no lying going on. It's, it's all on the table. Normally, people have a primary relationship and then secondary. So like you've got your partner, but then you see other people and so does she or he. So... Um, the general thing you notice is that there's much more communication. Because if you're not communicating, then everything falls apart pretty quickly, mm. right? So successful polyamorous relationships require a lot of work, a lot of you know heartfelt communication. So you end up with people who are often like um, you know more advanced on a on a psychological level it's not something to do because your relationships having problems you know like right. it's not uh, an answer to to weaknesses but having a baby is yeah having a baby's great <laughs> that solves everything yeah. Uh, okay. Just wanted to check. We're running. We're running out of time. But uh, are, are there any people with the, maybe that have a burning desire for to, uh, to ask a question? And if not, maybe. Yeah. You got to not have the giggles, though. When you're with a dude, you don't see other people. You don't see yeah, I relate so, to that. So yeah. far, not a question. Go ahead. <laughs> Why? Well, nothing's up with it. That that's completely cool. I mean, there's that's the thing. This our book has absolutely no advice in it. Right, our publisher pushed us to try to do that, but we're not giving advice. We don't have any advice. Right, all the only advice we're giving is like have a more realistic sense of what kind of animal we are and start from there. But then what you do with it, I don't know. Figure it out. Now there's huge variation, right? Just by nature, some people just don't like me. 
right? They're not like struggling to be a vegetarian. They just don't like it. So, you know, maybe that's your case. But I would also say that with women particularly, there's a lot of changeability, like through the menstrual cycle, you know, different points in the menstrual cycle, women have very different appetites and, and you know, more likely to uh, have affairs when they're ovulating, for example, and wear more perfume. Wait, women are more likely to have affairs when they're ovulating? Yeah, yeah. They're more likely to have affairs, to wear jewelry, to wear perfume. Is to... there a way to find out if a woman is ovulating? <laughs> yeah, well, some men can sense it. What's Sorry? that? There's, There's an, an app. app for that. <laughs> well, on that classic joke, I think we'll say goodnight. There's an app for that. You guys, thank you so much for coming. Uh, Christopher Ryan, Nikki Glazer, Nick Kroll. Come back next month. I don't know what we're talking about. It might be time travel. It might be homosexuality. There's going to be some fun stuff. So come back. Thank you. Make some safe cheer. If you enjoy that as much as I did, be sure to check out Moshe Kasher's Hound Tall podcast. It's on iTunes and everywhere finer podcasts are found. Hound Tall, Moshe Kasher. All right. Thanks a lot. Uh, talk to you next week. Hope you're having a great time wherever you are. Thanks for your emails and your tweets and all your support, however you express it. going to play you out, as always, with the great Carsey Blanton Smoke Alarm. Baby, what's the big deal? Feel what you wanna feel. Say what you wanna say. You're gonna die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm gonna die one day. Why do you waste your time thinking about your reputation? Trying to Smoke alarms will dance into the ground.